Hello, fellow parentals. How are you all doing today? I'm doing pretty well. It's Wednesday again. Uh, I'm Alex Brody, and welcome back to the Help I'm a Dad podcast. And you wouldn't know it from listening, but I'm in the process of getting my voice back since I just lost it. I figured to help uh, on an episode of the podcast, I'm going to bring in a very special guest, somebody who is very special to me, somebody who has inspired me, and I have a lot to learn from my father-in-law. Hello, Mr. Father-in-law. How are you doing? Hello, Mr. Brody. I'm doing well. Yeah, good. We are not in the booth today. We are actually in the living room. I have a cup of Neo Citroen. We have the mother-in-law and the wife tiptoeing in the background. <laughs> We're comfortable. I think a good way to start is asking you a good old-fashioned dad joke. Sure. Just like a Rodney Dangerfield joke? No, I, I just genuinely can't think of a joke right now. So I'm going to look one up. I've never had a conversation with you this far away, but it's just the two of us. Yeah. Well, I guess in the, like the living room. Having yeah. a Okay, let's, let me find a dad joke. And while I'm looking up a dad joke, I'll probably ask what one of your favorite memories is of being a father of two and a stay-at-home father in a time where many stay-at-home parents were females. Okay, so I'm going to tell, tell you that one, okay, as you're going. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Stay-at-home dad in the early 90s pretty rare yeah right i i could tell you i was the only one in my neighborhood yeah and uh we would go to uh the local beach which was pretty cold because i was the only guy yeah right? <laughs> and, and there were you know all these like 20 or 30 moms around with their kids and i and there i was with my two girls and um they were playing with all the other kids and what have you but and i was sitting you know, kind of on the beach. at Looking all sexy. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah. It was pretty cool. So I, I looked at that as being an advantage of being a stay-at-home dad in the early 90s. What, to and, stroke your ego? <laughs> yeah, well, I had to, right? <laughs> you're, you know, you're a dad of two girls and you say, okay, this is pretty cool. So it was fun. That was a fun thing. Yeah. Well, it's way more common now, right? Well, it's more common now. And, and at the time, I had to have confidence in myself to say, yeah, this is a different thing to do. Uh, I gave up a career. Uh, yeah, you gave up a, a very, very strong career too. You and your wife had a conversation and then figured that you, you've told me before that you always dreamt of being a, a stay-at-home dad. Yeah. Right? Like you're, you're being a dad is your calling. Yeah, it's kind of a calling. And we had careers that were uh, pretty equal yeah. in terms of, uh, I mean, we both enjoyed our work at the time. I, I think she did more pro obviously than I did because I was, it was easier for me to give up my career. But in terms of, uh, of a financial you know aspect it was fairly equal mm -hmm. at the time we had this mutual decision to say well you know look can we make this happen where i could stay at home with the girls and was this because you wanted to have more quality time with them or because it actually made more sense financially to have one parent stay home at the time it really didn't have much to do financially i yeah i mean it did i mean it, it took its toll financially you know or obviously because you're giving up an income but you're also not paying for... But you're not paying for the childcare, but the yeah. childcare is not nothing like it is nowadays. Like in terms of the cost, it was nothing like that. It was it was still, you know, very affordable. But it was more of a kind of a, a career path change. I was in my early 30s. So it's, you know, I have two girls and I said, geez, this is something, you know, I, I'd like to do. I know it's kind of out of the, uh, out of the norm at the time. And that's kind of, 
my personality. I never kind of fl- went with the flow of anything. No, you've always been a trendsetter from, well, from everything I understand. Well, trendsetter or somebody that kind of went against the grain and that, that this was something else. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that went against the grain. And I said, no, I could do this and it's a challenge. It was certainly a challenge. Yeah, you were doing e-learning. Well, I was doing e-learning in the, in the 90s. Uh, before e-learning became e-learning and before YouTube was out and before Facebook was out and so on. And yeah, it was really a kind of a cool The term wasn't cool even thing. a thing back nah, then. No, it wasn't a term, no. It was distance education, distance learning and whatever it was uh, at the time. But it was, it was uh, again, that was interesting and that was fun. It was, uh, indigenous communities uh, in northern, uh, northern parts of Canada. It's pretty admirable. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was cool. But that actually ties in pretty well to the concept of you being just very good with kids and youth in general, because you have this inner child that a lot of adults don't typically have and you're, you're grounded, right? But you know how to have fun and you know how to tease and you know how to bring the magic into kids' lives. Cause I've seen it firsthand with, with some of our neighbors' kids when you interact with them. Kids are all about imagination and it's all about, you know, wonder in many ways it's great. They don't know what they don't know. And it's just the wonder and you, you can open up their imagination and have a lot of fun with that. And you have fun yourself. You, you tease I, it a little I, bit. I right? tease it and, and I have fun myself. Well, you, Jesus, I mean, you have to have fun with it, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, the kids, you know, you, you play off the kids in that sense and they see that you're having fun and you're enjoying it and, you know, whatever you're talking about, you're making up stories or what have you. That's what it's all about. It's keeping it very innocent and, and, and just very grounded, as you said really just enjoying the moment with them in that sense. So this ties into something that I spoke about last week, which was improv. Yeah. And you were very supportive of that. 100%. At the same time, I got the vibe that you were sort of intimidated by the idea of improv, and yet you give amazing speeches on the fly. You are funny in the moment, and you go with the flow, and that's all that improv is about and when you translate that to, with kids like that's a that's a great way of building that bond and building a safe space for them like the marshmallow tree for instance <laughs> the marshmallow tree yeah. the marshmallow tree yeah well improv yeah so improv like that was an interesting uh podcast that you had with with the improv well intimidated yeah because you know it's, it, anytime you go like i've i've done some training and teaching and presentations and and i enjoy it mm. once i'm there you know, once the flow gets going, but prior to that, you're, you're intimidated, right? Do you get anxious you're, you're before yeah, speeches absolutely, and stuff? Absolutely. Really? Yeah, all the time. All the time. I never would have guessed that. Yeah. Yeah. Until you get into it and until you could feel the audience. Yeah. So whether the audience is a group of professionals, if you will, or learners or people that are listening to you, whoever they are. Yeah. Or kids. Yeah. Right. So, you know, in, in my case, if you're going back when my kids, you know, my kids were young and their friends, that was my audience. Until they understand what you're doing or what have you. Yeah, it's, you're not sure. I, I was like, yeah, sure, sure, you're intimidated. I think it's a good thing. I think it's healthy to be a little bit intimidated. There's yeah. good stress and there's bad stress. Yeah. And, and short-term stress is actually proven to be uh, beneficial for us because it gets us motivated. Sure. And it gets us to do the job. It, it means we care. Yeah. Going back to the audience thing and the vibe, I think there is this contract. If you're going to a show or if you're going to a presentation, you are signing a mental contract that you are there to pay attention to this person, that you are going to give them your attention. You're going to learn from them because there is this air that somebody is giving a presentation. So it must be important. Right. So straight off the bat, you don't have to win them over because they're not skeptical, right? They're, they're already there. If you were going to like a political rally, sure. But a presentation or comedy show, or when you're giving a speech, it's, it's already a welcoming environment. 
to feed off of the crowd, I think you're you're already going to be in a good spot because the crowd is already warmed up, so to speak. Yeah. So feed off a crowd of you know, eight-year-olds, you know, or or ten-year-olds, and they're listening to, and they, you know, they're going to believe so much of what you're saying. Yeah. One of the things is you said feed a spider marshmallows, and they'll stay away from you. Did I say that? You yeah. said yeah. When we were doing the garden in the front of the house. Okay. We were doing the garden and the kids came over from across the street because they, they, they saw the dog or, or they had a ball over here or something. They uh, were looking at the plants and whatnot and they started talking about spiders and you just jumped on the conversation and you said something that they don't like. They don't like marshmallows. You need to, to put marshmallows. I must marshmallows. have this thing about marshmallows. It, I, I, <laughs> it works. It's, you know, they're magical little fluffy things. And they grow on trees. And they grow on trees. Little did anyone know that. No. You, know, you always figure they come in plastic bags. Stay tuned for your book. Stay tuned for the book. <laughs> it's a plug. The marshmallow tree. The marshmallow tree. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I'm looking forward to more I don't of know, these chats. I don't know if I've helped anything. Well, I think you did a great job. Thanks. Both you and your wife. I mean, you've raised two amazing daughters, so I would be so lucky to, to raise kids just as well. And I think I have a lot of strong I'm influences sure to pull from. But- I said I was going to start the podcast with this, but I'm actually going to end with it. So I'm going to throw that dad joke at you finally. Cool. What do you call a fish wearing a bow tie? What do you call a fish a wearing fish... a bow tie? <laughs> I have no, no blood. No, I have no bloody clue. Sophisticated. Oh, sh- <laughs> That was good, okay. huh? Yeah, that was, that was good. good. Oh, I'll, give you, I'll give you one more. How do you follow <laughs> Will Smith in the snow? Uh, this is, has something to do with him punching uh, Chris Rock. No, actually, it doesn't. It was just the okay. next one that I saw on the list. You follow the Fresh Prince. Oh, jeez. Yeah, okay. The Fresh Prince French in the snow. Prince. Yeah, yeah, probably. That was around the time that I was raising the kids. Yeah. Yeah. In West Philadelphia, born Philadelphia, born and raised. Yeah, before you... Got mm, into yeah. boxing or yeah, well, slapping. slapping. Yeah. yeah, it's a sport now too, eh? I'm, I'm it, pretty the, sure. It like, is. no, it actually is. Anyways, I want to thank you, father-in-law, for popping on the show and having this episode with me. Thank you, Alex. And I look forward to next time. That was fun. Yeah, we'll see you all next Wednesday. Much love. Dad. Thanks for being a part of this community and following us wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to leave some of your insights, you can find us on Instagram currently at help I'm a dad podcast or click the link in the description to leave a voicemail. We'd love to hear from you. Your message might even be featured on a future episode of our show. We appreciate your support and can't wait to hear from you. Much love.